You're listening to the Leadership in Theology with a Cup of Joe podcast. My name is Joe Contreras, and today I'm with Bill Doctorum. He's a professor of pastoral ministries and spiritual formation at Vanguard University of Southern California. Today we'll be talking about spiritual disciplines. Let's take a drink. You're listening to the Leadership in Theology with a Cup of Joe podcast. So thank you so much for um, joining me today. Um, tell us a little bit about what you do um, in ministry and just, just in general. Well, uh, my main address is here at the university uh, where I teach pastoral ministries courses. So spiritual disciplines is a kind of core one of those, preaching and teaching, pastoral care and counseling, theology of the church, that kind of thing. Uh, all focused towards uh, the goal for me of pastoring, which is to equip and release people to um, service, to ministry, to regardless of what their gifts are, regardless of, of their vocation, to see and understand themselves as a son or a daughter of God and to live out uh, that kind of core identity. That's awesome. What, what is your favorite part of being a professor at Vanguard? This kind of stuff, just the chance to visit with students and anybody who will listen to me and talk with me uh, is the best part. It really is. I, I just have a lot of appointments every week, and I I love to teach, and I love to talk about this stuff, but really the one-on-one -on -one conversations are probably the most life-giving to me. I'm sure your calendar is full, and I, I appreciate, I really appreciate you yeah. um, taking time to be here. Um, what, what are some... What are some courses that you teach at Vanguard? So I do two courses in preaching. It's kind of an intro course and then an advanced preaching course. I do two courses in pastoral care. So again, an intro course and then more advanced. And then I do a course in spiritual disciplines uh, and a theology of the church. Uh, and then I'm also teaching in the grad program where I do spiritual direction and soul care as uh, the two courses there and then um, so that's here and then I speak at various churches whenever opportunity arises uh, which is pretty much every weekend so <laughs> um, is there a favorite class that you like to teach uh, boy I, I love them all it's probably the one that I'm teaching at the time that's my favorite <laughs> uh, but really this semester so I, I really love the theology of the church I love spiritual disciplines and the pastoral care piece so that's pretty much all of them i guess isn't it but yes yeah that's awesome yeah um so let's jump right in so what what are spiritual disciplines so well in a nutshell if you you, you take the word disciplines you can substitute the word practices or exercises or something that that um we can do that um is cooperating with the Holy Spirit's forming of us to Christ-likeness. So we want to become good without thinking about it. Mm. We want to become formed to Christ-likeness. So what did Jesus do? One way to think of it. What did Jesus do that I can do so that I can learn how to do what Jesus did that I can't yet do? Mm. So Jesus did a whole range of things over here that are not within my capacity. I'm not even speaking primarily about the miracles or those kinds of things, but just as a person of character. How could he forgive as freely and openly as he could, bleeding out on the cross? How did he become the kind of person who could do that? 
how could he choose how to be angry and in what context to be angry? How did he manage to be such a close and personal friend with so many women in a culture that had reduced women to objects, mm -hmm. but they never felt that way with him? So how did Jesus do those kinds of things? How did he maintain a non-anxious, calm, personal presence in the middle of chaos? How did he do that? And what did he, I can, what are the things that he did so that I can learn how to do that too? How did he cooperate? Because Jesus didn't do those things because he was God. He did those things because he was a human being. Yeah filled with the Spirit, and had learned to cooperate with the Spirit in the forming of, of that character. So he got up a great while before it was day and went to a lonely place to pray. Well, that's going to be hard work, but I can do that. Yeah. Right? He uh, memorized huge chunks of Scripture. You see it showing up regularly in all his speaking. Well, that'll be hard work, but I can do that. Mm -hmm. Right? He fasted. I, I can do that. He went on retreat for extended periods of time. I can do that. Do you see? So these disciplines, these practices, these exercises uh, are training us so that we can be good, so that we can be like Jesus, so that we can become more fully ourselves without thinking about it. So it's like... Um, if you think about it, whether you're playing the piano or practicing any other kind of instrument or, or, or are good at a sport of some kind or dance or music, every one of those involves disciplined practice. You don't just get up one day and decide to run a marathon. You have to train to run the marathon. Nobody's surprised by that. So we ought not be surprised that the things that are important in the life of the spirit likewise require training a lot of things or one of the things that i caught on a lot was that it's hard spiritual disciplines what do you feel makes spiritual disciplines hard well that they we don't want to do them yeah. uh, we don't like to get up a great while before it's yet day and go to a lonely place to pray we don't want to do that because it pushes back against our natural inclinations our natural uh, fasting we don't we don't want to in our western culture uh, give up the control that food has over us. Uh, and we don't, we don't want to uh, be in solitude and silence. We like defining ourselves in patterns of relationship. So I think part of what makes it hard and part of what makes them necessary is um, that they push back against our natural, uh, sometimes self-interest uh, and selfishness and uh, give us a um, uh, kind of a, a push in the right direction. Uh, it, it's, it, to, 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 and again, I will underline that there's no worthwhile outcome in life without that kind of diligent effort. You know, academically, you've got to learn how to write a paper and how to research. Well, all that takes work. Yeah. Right? Nothing for the most part, that's easy to do is probably worth doing beyond once or twice. What are some spiritual practice or spiritual discipline practices? Well, the four main ones are ones that are probably most familiar with are solitude and silence, being alone, 
so that you can be with God, being quiet inside and out so that you can hear from God, uh, hearing the word of God, so Bible, studying, reading, meditating, reflecting on the Bible, and then prayer as conversation. Mm -hmm. So those would be the kind of the four kind of core foundational practices or disciplines uh, that uh, uh, form the basis of the spiritual life. Mm -hmm. Then you can layer in solitude, silence, uh, as extended into a retreat mm -hmm. structure, uh, or fasting, uh, taking a couple of meals uh, in a row every week and just deciding to spend that time in focused prayer or uh, conversation uh, around the meditation around a word or something of that nature. Uh, you can do acts of service. You can worship. Uh, there are journal, journaling disciplines that practice into that. So there's dozens and dozens of ways that we can practice to the outcome. Are there some practices that are more difficult than others? Yeah, uh, it depends on your personality type and your makeup. Um, uh, uh, but yeah, there are, there are like for me as an introvert, the discipline of fellowship is hard. Mm -hmm. uh, to be with people and to engage with people so in, in larger groups. So that's a, but that's a part of the discipline of community. So, mm -hmm. all right, I'm going to engage in that. Also as an introvert, the discipline of solitude and silence is difficult because when an extrovert goes into solitude and silence, because they take energy from being with people, when they get away from people, there's a capacity to be still and know. For an introvert, that's when they come most fully alive. Mm -hmm. So now I have to retrain towards that. Uh, some people find study very, very easy, and others, it's hard. Uh, so it varies from person to person. So through, uh, how many years have you been, or have you taught spiritual disciplines? About 25. Out of all those years, is there like a discipline that a lot of people um, misinterpret or don't fully understand hmm. or is confusing to them? Yeah, I, I think um, probably fasting is one of those. Uh, because of the way food works in our culture. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that, uh, well, any of them can be, can be misunderstood, but I think that that probably is the one that we get the most pushback mm -hmm. uh, in. Yeah, so what would you say is a true fast? Well, it varies, right? There's a whole range of them. Uh, 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 a food fast, in other words, water and juice for a period of time, uh, is the normal one. Uh, that's the fast that probably Jesus and the Pharisees both participated in at varying times, two days a week, uh, no meals before, no food before sundown. Hmm. Um, so you would have that one. Uh, you can do a, um, a fruits and vegetables fast, the so-called Daniel's fast, that can be extended to, and a, a lot of churches will do a 21-day Daniel fast at the beginning of the year, usually trying to combine it with prayer as well. 
Um, you can do, um, you can use the language of fasting with things like uh, processed sugars or coffee or chocolate or media, social media. Mm -hmm. uh, those can all be set aside for the purpose of engagement. But th So those would be some of the varieties. The most common one that people probably think about when they think about fasting is the food fast, though. I feel like for a lot of churches, when it at the beginning of the year, they often do like a 21-day fast or yep. some type of fast to begin the year. And I feel like a lot of people in the church, I think younger generation, their first um, instinct is like, oh, I'm going to do a social media fast. What would, what, or what, how should a, a young adult approach fasting? Or do, is it subjective? Or does it, it really does it is. Uh, it's like, this for me is always in partnership with the Holy Spirit. The goal of like a food fast will quickly shake up your systems of comfort. So how much do you use food so that you're happy and well, well satisfied? If you're not nice yeah. until you've had your morning coffee, well, then you're probably not nice. You're medicated, Yeah. right? So fasting is going to say, let's find out what we're really like without our medication, mm -hmm. without the things that we've counted on to manage our... If I'm angry or... Um, uh, at, at a high degree of tension because I haven't eaten, well, that's not the food's fault. I want to become the kind of person who can be happy and grateful without my appetites being mm -hmm. satisfied. So fasting trains us in that kind of dynamic. So what is it that you go to to give you a sense of your satisfaction? Is it food? Well, then... That might be a that, and that typically is a good place to start, uh, and then the rest you can work out in conversation with Jesus. <laughs> if somebody wanted to start a fast um, for food, what would be the best way to approach that? Probably just uh, miss two meals subsequent in a row to begin with. Uh, so breakfast and dinner, breakfast and, and lunch, or, or lunch and dinner, or dinner and breakfast, uh, so that you've got a, an extended period. Uh, uh, and then you can stretch that out to a full three meals in a row, um, and then in partnership with the Spirit, decide how to move through that. Fasting, you stop. Uh, I, I wouldn't typically want to go much beyond two or three days, mm -hmm. uh, although you, you can, uh, but you want to pay attention to what the Spirit is calling you to do and what the purpose of the fast is. Remember, this is a fast unto the Lord. It's not something that I'm doing to lose weight or to manage control over my diet or any of that kind of thing. It's to create space for engagement with, with God to mm -hmm. train me, to train the muscle memory, if you will, yeah. of my soul and kindness and generosity when I'm not uh, getting what I want. Mm. That's so good. Now, some people oftentimes feel discouraged because they see other people that are at the level of fasting where they're fasting food and they're only at the level of being able to like starting with social media do you feel like there's a, a difference or if that person should feel discouraged no everybody's got to start somewhere yeah and uh you you want to, again this is in partnership with the spirit that the goal is not some record of <laughs> fasting the goal is formation to christ likeness so if you're fasting social media 
is moving you in that direction in partnership with the Spirit, then that's, that's great. That's what it's for. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it might be that if you idolize the person or the kind of fast that this extreme fasting is engaged in, it might be that that becomes your focus. Mm-hmm. I fasted, you know, three days or whatever. Uh, and, and forgetting that the goal is not to fast, the goal is Christ likeness. Yeah. Well, then you've then you've missed the whole point. Mm-hmm. Now, in a in a culture that's so, I guess you can say it's loud. There's a lot of noises going on, both internally, externally. How do you find people to find, or how do you feel that people find? silence and solitude in in this culture that we live in uh well the first step where i probably would be just to pay attention to the noise generators that we have in our lives do we when we walk into our apartment do we turn the tv on when we sit in our car do we automatically turn on the podcast or the radio or our playlist from spotify or whatever yeah are we are we Start so so one of the places would be to start to deliberately cultivate pockets of silence. Mm-hmm. So, for example, if I'm going to drive from here to home, can I drive that 15 or 20 minutes without turning anything on mm-hmm. and just be in my car uh, in that kind of cone of stillness, cone of silence, right? Mm-hmm. So that's, that's not a bad place to start. Um, I think you can also start... Um, or, or then layer that into things like um, uh, the practicing of not speaking mm-hmm. for a period of time. Uh, so one of the spiritual disciplines that I ask my class to do I- every semester is to take a 12-hour day and not talk except for the sake of hospitality mm-hmm. to help put people at ease and, you know, so... It, it, and and it's, it, it's not uncommon for people to come back and notice how words get used manipulatively, how we talk to control our imp- the impressions people have of us. Well, you never learn that unless you stop talking. Yeah. So it's, again, just dis- disciplines, practices that we choose to do so that we can start to plug into what God is, is, is seeking to form in us. Then... Maybe we go down to the beach or we go to a monastery or we go to a retreat center Mm -hmm. where uh, silence is kind of the core value of that space. And we choose uh, to enter into that silence uh, in in prayer and reflection. So there are a wide range of those. And those are all external silences. Once we enter into that, now we can start to dig into the noise inside, the memories, the images, the shapes, all of the distractions that are going on inside all the time. And over time, those begin to tampen down as we offer them up to Jesus, as we invite him into this uh, practice. And he uh, helps us, I I think, over time, just kind of learn to calm down. Mm -hmm. One of the things that I've found in my life is that, like, my mind is constantly running. And Mm -hmm. And in the morning, I try to take like at least five minutes just to be silent and to be still. But even then, I still I feel I find it ch- challenging to be consistent with it yeah. and just to do it. Yeah. How? Why do you feel like or what 
would be the best steps to trying to like make it a consistent pattern in your life? Just that. Just do just it. Just do it. Just do it. It's not, I mean, that's why we call it training. You don't just yeah. try harder, you train smarter. Mm-hmm. So you, uh, 10 minutes is too much. Well, let's start with five. Mm-hmm. Five minutes too much, start with three. There's, there's uh, I use an app called Centering Prayer that has a gong <laughs> that starts me off in five or 10 or 20 minute increments of silence. And uh, practicing that presence, sitting in a chair, being mindful of your space, uh, and, and having sometimes I've, I find it really helpful to have a centering prayer, a phrase that gently I can keep coming back to, um, that I pray that every time I start to feel distracted, I can bring my thoughts back to that center place, mm-hmm. uh, an affirmation of the goodness of God or Jesus is Lord or Abba, I belong to you or any of those uh, verse, uh, Lord have mercy, any of those phrases will give me space to come back to, to the center. Uh, and and uh, out of that stillness, uh, there's a radiant of stillness. Mm-hmm. What would you say to somebody that says they don't have time to practice spiritual disciplines in their life? Um, then probably the first spiritual discipline is to start to ruthlessly eliminate things. Because mm. uh, kind of, one of the disciplines that we haven't talked at all about so far has been like, for example, uh, Sabbath. Mm. To create one day in seven, you're built for it. That's what the universe is designed for, uh, in which you do no work. So setting aside that time, it's not going to magically appear. So you have to go into your calendar. You have to create an appointment slot for you and Jesus to spend an hour in silence. Or if you're going to do a Sabbath, to spend 12 or 24 hours without specific schedule. And there's lots of resources available for that. But mm-hmm. it's not going to magically appear in an otherwise busy calendar. Part of what we want to play with is why it's, we find it necessary to then be so busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Are we defining our life by what we're doing? only f- to find ourselves then complaining that we actually don't have a life, we've just got a list of activities. Wow, that's so true, that's so true. Um, what, does, what does it look like to not do any work for a day? What, do, what does your Sabbath typically look like? It can look like a lot of things. Uh, it, can look like, uh, it can look like sleeping in. It can look like getting up and reading the Bible or reading a book that I want to read uh, other than the Bible. Uh, it can be going for a walk with my wife. It can be making breakfast together. It can be uh, uh, taking care of our granddaughter. So it can be family, it can be good food, it can be fellowship. Uh, uh, it, it, when I'm not preaching somewhere, uh, Sabbath can mean going to church and participating in the worship there and then having a leisurely afternoon go out and enjoy a meal or come home and uh, then rest and nap. Uh, It's just a great, great gift that God has given us to remind us that we're not in charge of the universe. He can manage it on his own for, for uh, six days, you know, that seventh day. Yeah, absolutely. I I feel like one of the things that I struggle with the most with Sabbath is trying to find something that's life giving. How, how does a person find something that's life giving? Or does the Sabbath even need to include life-giving? The Sabbath is life-giving. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So creating that's that's what it's for. It's to remind us that we're not human doings. Yeah. We have value, worth, and significance with what without one single ounce of productivity. Mm. And Sabbath reconnects us with the fact that we're created, that we're redeemed, that we have value and uh, worth in the eyes of the Father, and so it brings us into that dynamic. Um, and so it's not binge watching Netflix necessarily because that often isn't restful yeah it, it might be uh instead uh choosing to set aside media for the day mm-hmm. and experiencing nature or doing a long-form meal preparation or uh, uh again going for a walk that's not about exercise or any of the other productive productivity things that we would layer into the system mm-hmm. How, how do you feel that the Christian culture um, views spiritual disciplines? How do Christians view spiritual disciplines? It, they're all over the map. Uh, there are some traditions, uh, Catholic and some mainline Protestant churches, that have had disciplines as part of their journey ever since the beginning of their existence. Uh, the more kind of Pentecostal, charismatic branches of the church are discovering uh, a breadth of disciplines uh, that have not been always part of it. Mm. Uh, sometimes they view it with suspicion. It feels like it's, it's, it's earning favor uh, rather than cooperating with grace. Uh, it's earning grace, which you actually can't do. Uh, sometimes it feels like works, uh, which is, a, again, though, a misunderstanding of Discipline. Sometimes disciplines have been valued simply in and of themselves, not for the telos or the goal towards which they point, which is Christ-likeness. And so Christians have idolized them. They've made an idol out of Bible reading or out of a certain form or time of prayer or certain devotional practices without ever realizing those things are all instrumental towards the larger outcome of Christ-likeness. You kind of hit on this a little bit, but how does spiritual discipline shape us? Well, they, 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 it, it's the training of the muscle memory of the soul, right? So when you're playing the piano, you, you want to have, or running a play in football, or practicing a golf swing, or practicing a dance step, or if you're in a basketball team, the coach will likely have you run drills. Well, the goal is not to run the drill. The goal is to do, be able to do the thing without thinking about it so that it, when it's game time, mm-hmm. you have capacity to, to be where you need to be when the ball gets there, Yeah. right? So what spiritual disciplines do is train the muscle memory of the soul so that I can partner then with the spirit as he is forming me to Christ-likeness. Mm-hmm. So that's basically how they work. It's, it's like any other training regimen. I play piano, uh, so I'm going to practice the scales, not so I get good at doing scales, but so I can play Rachmaninoff or Tchaikovsky or, or something else, you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm, if, if, if I'm a dancer or an artist, I'm going to practice the steps of the dance so, so that it becomes part of my 
muscle memory so that when the music starts, I don't have to think about doing the steps of the dance. Mm -hmm. It's just, it's because if you're thinking about dancing, you're not dancing, mm -hmm. right? If you're thinking about making music, you're not making music. Yeah. Um, so if you have to think about where am I supposed to be in the field when the ball gets there, you're not going to be there. Mm -hmm. Your body has to think for itself so that then now, in this case with spiritual disciplines, the spirit can come in and form us using these practices towards Christ-likeness. What's the big takeaway that you want students to have after taking your class, after taking spiritual disciplines? That it really is possible for them to make progress towards Christ-likeness, and that is what they were built for. It's so they good. can become fully themselves, mm. which is the same thing. Wow. What, what, does it, what does it look like to be fully themselves? Well, it depends on the person, right? Mm. Yeah. There's only one of you on the whole planet. If you don't show up, that segment of the body of Christ or the image of God is compromised. So you need to show up for work. <laughs> Absolutely. That's so good. So good. Well, thank you so much. Is there any, any last comments, anything that you feel that um, the listener should know about spiritual disciplines? Well, I, I think the, the one piece would probably be to start where you are. It's not some magic, it's not gonna magically appear. You have to start where you are, because where you are is where you will meet God, nowhere else. Mm. There's only now, and so it's be there. So good. Well, thank you for listening to this month's podcast of Leadership and Theology with a Cup of Joe. Make sure you tune in the second Thursday of every month for a new podcast. Email us questions at altwithacupofjoe at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram at altcupofjoe. And remember, even the little things make a difference.